Hola, hola. Welcome, everybody, to season three of the Chicago Techies podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. This season, we will be hearing from seasoned entrepreneurs to rising stars making their mark. We'll dive into their triumphs, their challenges, and all the unique experiences that have shaped their journeys. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher Benitez. Thanks for joining us. Lynette, welcome. Hi, thanks for coming to the Chicago Techies podcast. How are you? I am so good. I'm thrilled and honored to be here with the amazing, legendary Ceci. Oh, you're sweet. Um, all right. So for our audience, let's let's start with your, your full name, your pronouns, and your current role. Yeah, my name's uh, Lynette Correa Velez, Lynette Correa Velez, pronouns she, ella. So currently, I'm the founding director of Tech Launchpad at Kennedy Hinn College. And we'll dive into all of that in a minute. I want to I wanna get to know you first, all the things about you, the makeup, who you are. So I love to um, hear about your journey from the very beginning. Uh, where did you grow up? You know, what was your childhood like? Um, yeah. And then we'll get started. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually a Boston, Massachusetts native, uh, born and raised. Um, I, funny enough, sometimes when I introduce myself, I say that I'm Boston Rican. Because I definitely feel like the geographical location of Boston, Massachusetts and being Puerto Rican identified are just really, really influential and part of my salient identities. Um, But my parents are from the Bronx, uh, New York City. And so a lot of the times, too, I'll go in and out between like a New Yorican accent, (laughs) like a Boston (laughs) Rican accent is really kind of funny. Um, but you know, my parents, uh, they, you know, were childhood sweethearts. Um, they married very young. I think my mom was like 17. Um, and you know, they married in Patterson, New Jersey. Um, and then my dad at the time, um, he was a welder and my mom, uh, she was a receptionist at a nonprofit and, my paternal grandmother at the time lived in Boston, Massachusetts, and he ended up having a welding project in Boston, Massachusetts. So they moved to Boston and uh, had me there. Um, I'm the oldest of four, so I have two younger sisters and a younger brother. Two of them ended up being born uh, in the Bronx, New York City, and uh, the baby of the family was born in Puerto Rico because um, he ended up having a, a project out there for welding. Um, and then we moved back to Boston from Puerto Rico when I was about six years old because um, I ended up having another work project there. Um, and because uh, the company that he ended up working for and had a contract for um, in Puerto Rico ended up becoming bankrupt. And so we moved to Boston. I am a Boston Public School alum. Um, we could talk about that if need be. and. Um, and, you know, really, and I was living in inner city Boston. So, um, how's it Boston housing development more particularly and in Rosendale, uh, Massachusetts. So I'll take a pause there on that one. No, you, you've been around to different places. Uh, mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, so did you spend some time living in Puerto Rico as well? Yeah, I was really young. I must've been maybe like five years old or so, six years old. 
Um, and we were in Caguas, Puerto Rico, which is like mm-hmm. about two hours south of San Juan. And okay. I have some memories there. Um, we lived in a really nice house. The weather was really uh, hot and there were a lot of palm trees and cookies. Co- <laughs> so that's what I remember. <laughs> and the that. boy across I... the street, but we won't talk about that here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can if we want to. <laughs> no, but I, I've been to Puerto Rico. I mean, I, I went for the first time a couple of years ago and I nice. absolutely love uh, No, a year ago. Now, a year and a half ago, the babies were three. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved that trip. It was so yeah. fun. I love the beach and it was great. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about your education. You like your public school education, if you want to share about that. But mm-hmm. also I, I noticed from your, you know, from your LinkedIn and from mm-hmm. your bio and the things that I know about you that you studied. Mm-hmm business management in undergrad and mm-hmm. um so i'm curious if if you know what motivated you um to pursue a career a career in business uh, yeah. from a young age because it looks like you you knew you wanted to go into that no i knew um so i also come from a family of entrepreneurs um although you know my parents i'm a first generation high school graduate and uh, my parents ended up getting their GED much later in life. Um, and they went to vocational schools shortly after. So my mom, uh, ended up becoming a career, um, essential healthcare worker as a senior medical assistant. And, but they, interestingly enough, they both moonlighted as financial advisors for Smith Barney through Primerica. And, that was from the age of nine um, till I was about 16. And because I went with my dad to various homes in the suburbs of Boston, um, you know, was exposed to different areas of the Northeast whenever they had conferences during the summer. Um, it was a really tremendous education for me coming from you know, the projects of inner city Boston, Massachusetts, and then going to these very wealthy areas of um, of Boston suburbs and throughout the Northeast and New England. Um, and that was because of the access that my dad received through entrepreneurship, right? Um, so they both moonlighted as uh, entrepreneurs, and that was really influential for me um, at the time. This was like in the 90s. And you know, and to make some additional money, because it was like the six of us, um, you know, my mom would make uh, arroz dulce and different, you know, Puerto Rican pastries and would take me to sell them door to door, which I completely and utterly hated (laughs) as a nine, 10 year old. I just wanted to play with my friends. Um, And, you know, a lot of times this was like in the winter and Boston winters are not very similar to Chicago winters are not exactly forgiving. Um, And I just, I really loved the 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 aspect of you know being able to make extra income having it be unlimited um and quite frankly you know being a, a boss um so when it was time for me to declare a major um at Leslie College I ended up actually graduating from a, a math and science high school O'Brien School of Math and Science in Boston it was part of the um, examination school system very similar to here in Chicago um, that you have like a selective um, schools, uh-huh, select and enro- selective enrollment here in Chicago. So it's a very similar model. Um, so I ended up graduating from there, uh, applied to six colleges, uh, and Leslie College gave me um, a full ride. And I'm so glad that my 17 year old self <laughs> made that decision because um, I was able to 
you know, just have maybe a $10,000 loan to reside on campus my, my freshman year, my first year. Um, but I was pretty much debt free and, um, and business management to me was an opportunity to learn the skills and information on how to be a people oriented person, but work with people in the workplace, right? Money makes the world go round, but it is the people who move the money to make the world go round. And that was interestingly enough, um, always my thinking, um, even at the young age of 17. That's, and that's a really definitely smart idea. And mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I, I, I can't recall how, how, if I was even thinking like you were back then. <laughs> I like to uh, jump uh, forward to the move to Chicago and yeah. what uh, and what was that like? What prompted you to move? Ooh, girl, <laughs> that was uh, definitely love in grad school. That should be like a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are not the first guest that has said they moved to Chicago for love. Shout out to Niharika. <laughs> <laughs> love and grad school, honey. So, um you know, I ended up doing uh, a lot since my undergraduate years. And part of that was uh, starting my own education, tech, social enterprise. And um, at the time, um, you know, I was a CEO of Career Coaching for Kids and founder, um, as well as a sister company called Chameleon Career Coaching. And I met my husband. And I was in the process of you know, wanting to um, go back to school and, you know, be, be careful what you manifest because it just might happen. Um, and uh, so I met my husband. He was accepted for his PhD at um, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And he was like, hey, do you want to come with me? And I was like, well, <laughs> I think there's a different question you have to ask me, right? And I, you all can't see this, but I'm lifting up my finger here in the camera <laughs> Um, so he did ask the right question, everyone. He asked me to marry him and I was like, okay. Um, but he was always a big fan of my work and my light as well. Um, he was like, why don't, instead of you getting all these certifications, why don't you, you know, get your master's, uh, particularly in tech. And I was like, sure. So applied, um, and got accepted for my master's in tech also at Urbana-Champaign. And we were two broke graduate students of color <laughs> that moved from Boston to Urbana-Champaign, Illinois, um, from 2014 to 2018. And, uh, and in 2018, he received a research associate role in Chicago um, at the Research Center for Urbana-Champaign. And so we moved from Urbana-Champaign to Chicago in 2018. And we have been in Chicago ever since. So Chicago is definitely my home. Um, I must say, I love a good ring story, and I love also, um, <laughs> you know, that love is often the influence for a lot of our decisions. I'm telling um, you, but I do. I you mentioned your uh, your ventures, right? You mentioned that you were that you were a former founder, and it, yeah. still a, you're a founder. I mean, your um, mm-hmm. career coaching for kids and mm-hmm. uh, chameleon. Right? Yeah, career Come coaching. Career can, coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you share a little bit more about those educational social enterprises, if you will? Yeah. So at the time, uh, this was back in 2006, and uh, you know, tr- uh, I won't age myself too too much, but I don't mind. 
Um, this was pre-social media. Um, this was around the height of Skype. Um, so interestingly enough, I was one of the first users of Skype and it was free and it's still free for me to this time. Um, I hope they don't charge me after hearing this, right? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I was doing something quite innovative at that time, which is now very normalized, but I was career coaching through Skype and I was career coaching individually. Um, I was career coaching in groups through Skype. Um, And it was really kind of innovative at the time because most institutions and schools and nonprofit organizations that were partnering with career coaching for kids or Chameleon Career Coaching for uh, reskilling, upskilling services. Um, you know, they all felt like I had to be in person. So sometimes Mm -hmm. at the beginning of my business, I was like traveling all across the country in person. But once I introduced these like virtual, um, coaching programs, uh, they were like, yeah, we'll do that. And, uh, and that way I can make more money. Um, and this, the companies can save money. Right. And so, it was an opportunity to give access to individuals that normally wouldn't have access. And even though this was not the terminology at the time, um, but I was pretty social justice oriented because um, I was using technology as a way to provide access to information to pop to underserve uh, and under-resourced populations where they normally wouldn't have that access. And that was always really exciting to me um, and, and grateful, again, to, to being, you know, to entrepreneurship because of that. Yeah. And is are one of those businesses still around now? Are you still no, working? No, I had to disintegrate them for grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, but grateful for, for the experience um, and, the, and the opportunity. I mean, it was around for about 10 years. We impacted 30,000 individual learners. Um, and I had a team of about five uh, outstanding folks that I'm still in touch with uh, to this day. That's great. I, I do love that you mentioned that, that, you know, the social justice approach and that piece. What lessons have you learned uh, that have shaped your approach to leadership uh, and entrepreneurship during these ventures? Yeah. Uh, one huge lesson, um, one needs capital. I was bootstrapping the entire time. um, And I even had to have side jobs um, just to support myself. Because, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm a first generation high school and college graduate. And, you know, I didn't have, you know, I didn't come from a wealthy family. I didn't have, you know, a rich uncle or grandparent um, that can help support my venture. So, um, and there weren't the kind of, you know, pipeline programs that exist now um, at least in Boston, Massachusetts, um, uh, that, you know, those didn't exist back then in the early 2000s. Right. And so, uh, again, it was, a, it wasn't a matter of lack of potential. It was a matter of lack of capital, um, and lack of mentorship. Right. And if, if there were folks that knew me at the time, um, and they were cheerleading me on. There wasn't that level of let me. I see Lynette's potential. Let me mentor her so she could be an even more successful entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And I was winning awards at the time, um, so I was making a tremendous impact. But that notoriety wasn't translating to profit, 
right? And that's something that I don't think enough um, entrepreneurs talk about. Yeah, I bet. It sounds like you were juggling a lot too, um, mm-hmm. you were, because they're two separate businesses, right? Yeah, they're two separate businesses. Uh, career coaching for kids targeted, um, you know, mostly uh, eighth through twelfth graders. Uh, that needed career development coaching or career coaching. And then Camille and career coaching was for anyone over the age of 18. So college students, executives, um, you know, at entry, mid-level executive leaders, uh, professional associations that support, you know, various um, populations of folks that have at least an associate's degree, for example. Mm-hmm. This definitely illustrates um your commitment to empowering others and yeah. working with individuals. So, For sure. um, and, and from what I know of you as well, you, you also have a, a strong lens in DEI, mm-hmm. um, specifically D-E-A-J, right? Yes. D-E-I-A-J. Um, yes. For those that are not super versed in this type of lingo, uh, yeah. can you um, tell folks what DEI D-E-I-A-J stands for and yeah. why it's important. I think it's important. Um, so the breakdown, D-E-I-A-J, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and justice. Um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, pretty self-explanatory. Access can mean um, for those that are differently abled, um, as well as those that um, identify as first gen. Um, And then justice, um, because uh, a lot of the times when you're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, there isn't a systemic lens to those changes. Um, So systemic uh, uh, policies, uh, systemic um, uh, opportunities to those that have been under-resourced, underserved. So the justice piece, you know, really highlights the the systemic issues that... um, that are not being highlighted um, within diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. And to be completely honest, I hadn't really thought about it either in, mm-hmm. in that sense. And, and I think I, I, I've been studying a lot of DEI uh, methods and theory and, you know, because I'm actually, I'm also still doing this program through uh, eCornell. Um, and right now we're focusing a lot on uh, intersectionality. And I That's feel amazing. like you also have done that. So yeah. How do you approach intersectionality, like in your advocacy work, like, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just considering the unique challenges that f- faced by individuals, you know, who may belong to multiple marginalized groups? Yeah. So it, for me, I understand that individuals that are trying to attain upward socioeconomic mobility, it's not just one challenge, right? It's multiple challenges. Um, and a lot of those challenges are because of um, lack of access, as I mentioned, right? And so I think a lot about, you know, if an individual identifies as, um, you know, in my case, as Latina, um, first gen, um, right there, you can understand, and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, even though Boston's a, a very well-resourced city, um, you know, that that doesn't mean that it's translated to individuals from different area codes, right? Um, and there was actually this nonprofit organization called Opportunity Nation, where they did a, a research study. And they actually have a really great um, resource and tool online 
um, where you can put a zip code of anywhere in the United States within all 50 states, and it grades the opportunity ladder within that zip code, and it grades it through A through F. Um, and, you know, I haven't seen the information, you know, in several years, so I can't tell you what it is for Chicago or Boston, for example. Um, but just within that, you know, you can identify that individuals who live in a wealthier area have more access than individuals who um, live in a less invested in area, right? And so knowing all these this kind of information and resources um, and research and data on you know, what it's like for folks to attain upward socioeconomic mobility um, brings me to have more compassion and empathy, um, not only because of my own lived experiences, but I don't want to be the only one. <laughs> I don't want to be the only one, uh, you know, to to have upward, upward socioeconomic mobility. I want all of us to have um, success and, and, you know, a, more than a living wage, not just a living wage, but more than a living wage um, that uh, supersedes inflation, right? And that's another conversation. We won't get into that. But to, to me, that's important, right? And now that I'm a mom, um, it just exacerbates it more for me. Yeah, I mean, the, everything it matters, you know, and all of that encompasses also like uh, generational wealth and Hands economic down. empowerment, you know, right? I, and, and as you were speaking and, and sharing all your knowledge, you know, I'm like, all of this experience definitely makes sense uh, to why you are in your role now. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, this is like, I'm like, I can see the commitment to like fostering diversity in the in tech in in education. Yeah. Uh, so I want to transition to talking about your role. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, I, I, I want to learn uh, how you became involved in tech and the path, you know, and the path that guided you to towards your current role. Uh, because you're the founding director of yeah. Tech Launchpad um, mm -hmm. at Kennedy King. So can you tell us that path there? Yeah. So I've always actually been a fan of technology. Um, again, I was one of the first users of Skype, right? And so um, I. funny enough, this is actually a funny story. The reason I started working at the very young age of 14 is because I approached my parents and I was like, you know, mommy, poppy, I, I want to get a pager. Right. And my parents were like, <laughs> what? I ain't getting you that. You better go get a job if you want that. And if there's anything that you can tell little Lynette, which is very similar to whatever you can tell Lynette now <laughs> is no. Right. Uh, cause to me that is part of the words of not yet. Um, and so I said, okay, so I went to my school library, I got a book on, you know, resumes for dummies, uh, put my resume together. And the next week, a friend of mine, you know, informed me of a job at the local health center as like a peer leader, HIV AIDS peer leader. Again, I was very mature for my age, yeah. always. And I applied, got hired, and I ended up getting my Pedro a month later, right? Uh, but then I got very interested in... Um, they would call that, you know, a couple of years later, there was like refurbished pagers and there was a local shop um, and they still have them here in Chicago, actually, where it's like refurbished, you know, yeah, printers and, and yeah. computers and, you know, um, and at the time pagers. And so I would get a bunch of them and try to fix them and then sell them to my friends. Right. 
And so that to me was like what started my love for tech. Um, and, and then also wanting to always use technology as a tool to provide access for myself and others for, um, for empowerment. And so, you know, fast forward to 2022, um, I got hired in my role as the founding director of Tech Launchpad in August of 2022. And Tech Launchpad in general um, is an equity-centered tech initiative that supports all 256 tech education students with access to tech resources and tech opportunities outside of the classroom. So I collaborate with our, you know, tech faculty, staff, and instructors I collaborate with our um, director of um, first-year experience, early college, so high school students that are wanting to take um, some tech courses, as well as our uh, associate dean of continuing education for those that are taking tech certifications um, and, you know, one-off tech continuing education courses. And, and also, you know, because of the tech opportunity space, partner with um, amazing orgs such as Tequeria, Latinas in Tech, um, Blacks in Tech um, Foundation, et cetera, World Buster Chicago, Chicago Innovation, and others um, to give that access to our students for those various tech opportunities in web, game, software developments, IT networking, and cybersecurity. Yeah, I, I loved hearing about it when I first, you know, found out about the organization, like the, the initiative. Um, there's there are not many programs you know that are in especially in uh two-year schools you That's know right. or, or community colleges that um mm-hmm. that can offer these like life-changing you know career paths and yeah. um i was definitely a fan of it when when you told me about it when i met you and yeah. we discussed what it was um now you know you're the founding director, so uh, you have a lot of responsibility here. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you ensure that the initiative remains like centered on racial and gender equity in the mm-hmm. tech industry? Yeah. So funny enough, um, Kennedy King College is one of the most diverse institutions uh, in the city of Chicago, um, not only because of geographical diversity. So we're here in the south side of Chicago, which is a historically disinvested community. Um, between 63rd and Halsted, but um, we're a predominantly black institution. So we're a little over 80% of our students that um, self-identify as black identified or African-American identified. Um, we're an emerging Hispanic serving institution. So we're at about 15% right now mm-hmm. because of all the changes uh, that are happening within the city of Chicago um, and gentrification within Little Village, uh, Humble Park and Pilsen, for example, who which... I mean, they're still fairly known as Latinx uh, communities, but, um, you know, changing demographics are happening there for various reasons. Um, So they're moving to the South Side, right? Um, And so, uh, and interestingly enough, in Englewood, uh, particularly the greater Englewood area, there is a large uh, amount of female-headed households. And so, um, which means most of our students, over 62%, are female identified. And so just by the nature of our student population, I'm able to really center racial and gender equity in tech in a way that positions us uh, very uniquely to not only support our students, but to be, quite frankly, an amazing partner to tech companies. 
uh, that are looking for racial and gender uh, diversity and hiring and retention. And honestly, you're doing a great job. I see you at a lot of our our community <laughs> like tech events, and yeah. uh, and you're definitely making uh, you know you have this presence of like supporting uh, like underrepresented minorities, underserved communities. So mm-hmm. uh, kudos to you for for your work because um it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but can you share some specific initiatives or programs within the Launchpad that that you think have made a significant impact on the community already? Yeah. So uh, we're still fairly young uh, program and initiative. Uh, we're a little over 14 months old, but just within that time frame, um, I get to be an entrepreneur, which is really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the support of our amazing president, Dr. Webb Walker, uh, who I report to, um, and also I'll, I'll share, you know, I do co I do co-manage a million dollar grant. So, um, I get to also be very creative on supporting our students. So I provide scholarships and stipends, group transportation to tech related events in the Chicagoland area, for example. So I was able to structure, uh, three equity centered programs. One is the tech launchpad scholars program. The second is the inclusive tech talk webinar series, um, and the third is uh, next year we'll have our inaugural tech uh, virtual community and career fair. And um, we also have an upcoming event for our family STEAM Day. So this is free and open to the public on Saturday, December 2nd from 1130 to 230 at Kennedy King College. And it's a really cool opportunity for free for um any city of Chicago residents to come down, get some light refreshments, and have some cool um, experiential learning uh, activities um, with local nonprofits. Um, so we'll have, for example, um, I play esports uh, there. We'll have Code Your Dreams there. You know, it's it's an, to me. You know, I'm so passionate about assisting those that need the assistance. Um, for you know, building generational wealth and closing the racial wealth gap. Um, that you know, this role, my current role as the founding director of Tech Launchpad, is 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 a way that I'm able to serve my purpose. You just answered this, but my next question was around um, you know inclusion within that local community and yeah. um, and how do you see your work uh, contributing to promoting diversity and inclusion? You know, within with within the Kennedy King um, area, and uh, if there if, if there are any specific initiatives or partnerships that you are excited about, yeah. So um, aside from what I mentioned, you know, for me, there's there's always a, a chance to partner with new partners. So welcome any new partnerships, but one that you know I'm always thrilled to. Um, to talk about, aside from what I mentioned, is our local community-based organizations. So we have a partnership with Teamwork Englewood. They're a major player um, in the Englewood area, uh, providing other resources. So they have like parenting groups, for example. They help the elderly. Um, and uh, another one is um, Discover uh, innovation hub or lab here in Chatham, which is, you know, just a couple miles down from KKC. Um, so we're partnering for their goals to hire folks for their call center and also robotics processing 
engineering roles. Um, so, I mean, there's there's so much going on in Chicago. Chicago uh, tech ecosystem is so vast. <laughs> like, yeah. This is like, there's not enough time on this podcast to talk about it, but... Um, <laughs> You know, there's there's some other partnerships in the pipeline that um, I'm excited about. I don't want to mention them yet because the ink is not dry. Yeah. But the 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 interest is there, and to me, that's the most exciting part. You know, I I don't have to sell uh, Tech Launchpad, you know, too in depth because people get it. Um, at least yeah. in Chicago, and and to me, that's that's always thrilling, um, and and makes the work really exciting. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a huge fan of it. I think I was, I was doing some reading the other day about it, uh, just kind of looking at what are the programs like, are they credited, non, uh, non-credit, and they're both. Like you can have, you know, you can, you guys offer credit and non-credit yeah. programs and, and that's, that includes like cybersecurity, game yeah. design, software development, like mm-hmm. web development, like even, uh, I think, um, IT like networking systems, yeah, you know, IT like networking. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I think those are definitely career, like careers that are in demand, and mm-hmm. um, and and what a better way than to include them in the communities that are often underserved too. That's right. Um, so it it really seems like the these efforts are truly um, a commitment, right, to to social innovation, to to workforce equity. Um, it it really addresses disparities mm-hmm. in in access uh, to technology and representation in yeah. the tech industry. So I, I feel like this initiative tr- like that aligns with the city's goal right now of right. Like, creating a robust like tech, uh, tech pipeline um, and fostering this inclusive tech economy. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've, I've been reading a lot about like Chicago initiatives as well. So mm-hmm. I feel like this is uh, in definitely in line with all those goals. Yeah, the timing is really interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I hope to continue to make a tremendous impact uh, in partnership uh, with amazing local organizations who are also doing the work because it can't just be one organization. It's got to really be a true public, multiple public-private partnerships Mm-hmm. Um, in various spaces. Um, so it's it's got to be the 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 for profit employers, the small tech startups, the big tech companies, the professional associations, the hired institutions, the on the ground, you know, local nonprofits that are um, serving in various ways. So it really, truly, I mean, it's multi layered and multi leveled partnerships for sure that can really make some some movement within the tech ecosystem and beyond. Yeah, I mean. You're sharing great nuggets here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so what piece of advice would you uh, share with individuals that are aspiring to become leaders in the tech industry, particularly from, from you know, these underrepresented backgrounds? Yeah. So uh, I know my story really well, and I know my journey really well. Um, and because of that, it gives me the confidence to walk into spaces, whether they're meant for me or not, and say, I deserve to be here. And so, um, you know, I encourage folks from various walks of life to to own their journey, own their respective intersectional identities, and go into tech proud uh, and confident, and um, and you deserve to be there. Right, and they deserve to have your talents, uh, whatever they may be, um, at their respective companies um, within the tech industry. So, 
Um, that is one very big advice that I wish someone would have told me many, many years ago. I would have started this process sooner, <laughs> but I'm glad I started it nevertheless. Um, and, you know, another thing is um, I always, I even tell my students, you know, if you go to these events and do show up, make sure you also follow up. So show up, show out but also follow up. Um, and I'm like the follow-up queen. My students call me, Lynette, you're the follow-up queen. And with that, you know, I'm able to follow up and build relationships, right? And so nothing happens in this world without um, relationships and, you know, getting folks to get to know you well and you getting to know folks well um, and really care, right? Um, that's something that's important for me also. I think I was probably an anthropologist in a past life or something because I'm really super <laughs> curious about people and like their stories and their journeys. Um, and, and to me, I think that's what really makes a difference. Yeah, no. And, and speaking about like building relationships, you know, like how can these tech leaders, these tech companies all across the, the city um, and, uh, and even our own, right. The, the, where we work, like how can, Mm -hmm. How can tech leaders actively contribute to closing the racial and gender wealth gaps in the tech mm -hmm. sector? Yeah. Uh, there's so many ways. Um, but one of them is to create policies and programs. So the two P's uh, internally so that it can't, those policies and programs can be open up to institutional partnerships like Tech Launchpad at KKC. Um, a lot of internal policies and programs are only open to four-year degree students, and therein lies the systemic inequities, right, and lack of diverse tech talent. Um, because, for example, most Latinx-identified students start off at two-year community colleges in the United mm -hmm. States, right? And that's a statistic that's really well known. Um, so I'm surprised tech leaders are not hip to that data um, and haven't tried to make, uh, um, you know, policies and programs sooner to assist in their diversity, recruiting and retention uh, goals. And so yeah. to, to me, that's like the biggest thing, uh, you know, being able to upgrade <laughs> internal policies and programs uh, for access uh, to diverse talent. Yeah, I mean, I was one of those numbers too. I I started my career, my my college career at a community college before mm -hmm. I moved to a four year school. So oh, there you go. Uh, that's definitely something that they should be looking into, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, before we start wrapping up, um, are there any special projects that you have coming up that you're excited about? So the ones that the one that I'm very excited about is the uh, upcoming Family Steam Day. Um, uh, in my mind, you know, yes, there's all these amazing programs and support for existing students, but what if you're not a student and you still want to have access to mm -hmm. tech activities, tech programs, uh, that's free, right? And so family steam day is free, free and open to the public. It's on Saturday, uh, December 2nd from 1130 to 230 at Kennedy King college in our tech Launchpad lab. And it will also be in our innovation one lab, which is our Apple lab. Mm -hmm. Um, and most folks don't know that we have those two <laughs> tech labs. So it's an opportunity for, for community members 
to come through, say hello, uh, meet me, um, meet our amazing local tech community-based organizations that are going to be providing the experiential learning activities um, and just have a good time. So, and it's open to all ages. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right. And let's, let's wrap up. So looking ahead, uh, what are your future goals and aspirations, either personally or professionally? Ooh, I have so many, Ceci. Um, <laughs> you know, I promised my son that I would live to the age of 101. So I got a good, you know, less than 60 years in me. Um, but my short-term goals uh, is to, quite frankly, be able to scale Tech Launchpad at KKC um, to hopefully serving, you know, over 250 students um, uh, to be able to also maybe have, uh, some programs outside of KKC, outside of my day job, um, maybe have a for-profit business, um, as a co-working space, for example. So, you know, I, to me, the future's bright, um, and, but tech will always be, um, at the forefront of that. So hoping, hoping that it, that comes to fruition in some way in the near future. Uh, I love that. It's 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 set out loud now and it's manif- it's been manifested and I cannot <laughs> wait to collaborate and help ad- help achieve you know and and however I can uh, your goals so that's great thank you um, yeah so now for anyone that wants to connect with you or anyone that wants to kind of keep this conversation going or that has more questions about you and your trajectory how can people connect with you yeah LinkedIn's the best way uh, Line Correa Velez regular spelling um for now and um they can always find me they google tech launchpad my contact information is there but my email is lcoreaveles at ccc.edu so linkedin or email but preferably linkedin awesome okay and i'll put that on the show notes as well so people can see that um well thank you lynette for joining me today this is uh, you're a breath of fresh air honestly um (laughs) and and your wealth and uh your wealth of experience and education to co like empowering individuals with all your roles and and commitment to fostering diversity in tech and education um are truly inspiring thank you i think this this conversation was really rich and enlightening and impactful and i hope that it's providing some guidance for folks and um, i truly appreciate you and uh, everything that you do so thank you for creating these inclusive spaces and environments for students and and for people like me to kind of engage with you and you know thank you for for everything that you do absolutely and you know thank you sassy for creating this space as well as you know, a fellow mom, Latina, LGBTQ <laughs> identified. I mean, you are one of my sheroes. If I haven't told you before, I'm telling you now. So uh, I appreciate that. Thank so thank you, you for, for Chicago Techies. This is this has been a great experience and I look forward to seeing you continue to shine. Thank you. That's the best. <laughs> you are the best. <laughs> abrazo, abrazo. Abrazo. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on social media. We are at Chicago Techies on all social media platforms. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.